Hello, Sawbona, how's it? Molo, Jambo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. So last week we started a new series called The Art of Spirituality. And uh, yeah, I'm actually, I'm really excited about this topic that we're, we're going on, this journey that we're going on on the arts of spirituality. I think we've got some amazing messages still to come in this series. Um, but really what we, what we kind of touched on last week was that the, you know, the, the prevailing ideas in our world today of secular humanism and postmodernism have left a massive void in the human heart. People are hungry for something beyond the material world. They're hungry for a form of spirituality. And many people today even call themselves spiritual people. They say, yes, I'm a spiritual person. Um, But it's just not in a Christian sense. It's more in a new age sense with some sort of Eastern practices. In fact, we have seen in the last 20, 30, 40 years a resurgence in new age belief and philosophy and Eastern practices around the world. And the reason is because people are hungry for some form of spirituality. And unfortunately, the church in many cases hasn't stepped in to fill the gap. Church has, in many people's opinions or on outlooks or the the way the media portrays church, church is this kind of like rule-based organization of obedient people who obey rules. Or churches today are also like these high-energy business franchises, you know, um, and, and New Age practice and New Age philosophy has got like, you know, pictures of people quietly meditating, who are, they're serene, they're mindful, they're connected to themselves, they're connected to nature, they're connected to the universe, and it looks so peaceful, and it looks so calm, and it looks so attractive, and many people are flocking towards it, and, and, uh, and, and so mindfulness, and meditation, and transcendental meditation, and consciousness, and cosmic consciousness, and all these words, these buzzwords, Reiki, and yoga, and all these things have, have just, you know, they've just multiplied all over the place in this last time. And the sad thing is this, is that as Christians, we have the authentic spiritual connection. Amen. We have the real spiritual connection. Jesus said in John chapter 7, he said, if anybody is thirsty, come to me. Why? Because whoever believes in me, the scriptures declare that from his heart will begin to flow streams of living water. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit, who at that time had not yet been given. But after Jesus was was buried and raised from the dead and ascended on high, he sent the Holy Spirit. And what is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God that comes and lives in us. We become the temple of God, and his Spirit comes and lives in us because of what Jesus has done. And we cannot... Be or know, we cannot know God or walk with God or hear God without the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that affirms that we are the children of God. This is the authentic, real spiritual connection that the world is actually hungry for. There's a, there's a passage in, um, in Corinthians that I want to show you today. Just if, Avi, if you wouldn't mind putting up that first scripture. I just wanted to show you this. It's in the message version because it describes so aptly the spirituality or the real spiritual connection that we have been brought into. And it says the following. It says, nothing between us and God. Our faces shining with the brightness of his face. 
And so we are transfigured, much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like Him. My people, that is the, the, the real deal. That is authentic spirituality. God in us. Us face to face with God. Nothing between us. Our sins forgiven. The gap between man and God has been closed through the finished work of Jesus Christ. We can now come boldly to the Father of glory. We can now have intimacy, face-to-face connection with God. We can talk to him as a man talks to his friend. We can hear him. We can walk with him. This is what Jesus died for. This is what Jesus came to give us. And not only do we have this intimate, intimate connection, face-to-face connection with him, but we also, as we interact with him or as we walk with him, we become like him. His fullness starts to fill us and change us and transform us. And this is authentic spirituality, face-to-face with God and me becoming more like Him in every way in my life. That is the real spiritual connection. Impossible without the Spirit of God. And you cannot have the Spirit of God unless you repent of your sins and you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus says, narrow is the gate that leads to life. And few there are that find it. It is a narrow road. It's a Jesus road, but it's not an exclusive road. All are invited. Everyone can have it. Doesn't matter whether you come from London or Lundi or wherever. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past life or whatever. You are invited into this narrow gate. But it is a narrow gate. It is a specific gate. It's not a broad, wide, just, hey, whatever you think, whatever you believe, whatever you feel is right. It's not that. It's a narrow gate. Jesus is the gate. And as we enter that gate, we receive the Spirit of God and we're brought into that face-to-face, intimate connection with God. This is the authentic, real deal spirituality that everybody is looking for. And so in what we're doing in this series is we're looking at some of the spiritual practices and rituals that can help us or bring us to a face-to-face connection with God. How many of you know that, you know, it's wonderful that Jesus has done this, but sometimes I struggle to hear God. I struggle to connect with Him. You know, there's, there's, am I the only one? Like, if you, like, God, where are you? What are you saying, God? Where are we going, God? You know, like, there is this, often there's this struggle to have that face-to-face connection with God. And so there are various principles and practices and rituals within Scripture that are put there to help us have that face-to-face connection with God. They are not the be-all and end-all. They are means to the end. So like, we don't take meditation, for example, and go, it's meditation, and we meditate for the sake of meditation. No, meditation is a practice that helps us experience a face-to-face connection with God. It's a means to an end. We don't worship it. We don't idolize it. We don't build a religion around it or whatever. It's a means to the end. So last week, we spoke about what? Thank you, my darling. Silence and solitude. You get a star in your homework book. <laughs> Silence and solitude, and we looked last week, is that we have to withdraw, amen? We can't just stay 24-7 connected, busy, and part of this, we have to withdraw in order to experience God, and I trust that you were practicing silence and solitude this week. 
I want to encourage you to please look at your week ahead and see how can you, God, protect that tent of meeting that you, that you can have. Like Moses had that tent of meeting, how can you have that with God this week? Do, is there some sort of space you can create to be alone, disconnected, just you and Him? Critical to having a spiritual face-to-face connection with God. This morning, I want to talk about meditation as a means and as a practice to bringing us face-to-face with God. So let's pray before we get into the Word. Father in heaven, we commit this time to you. We believe that your plans for us are good, but that everything good starts with your Word. Lord, your Word brings life. It brings healing and direction. And we treasure your Word more than our daily bread. And so right now, we boldly confess that our minds are alert Our hearts are receptive, and we say, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. Amen. All right, so what I'm going to do this morning is um, I've got so much to share with you, and this is all very exciting stuff. So I hope you don't feel bummed. You might have to go home and listen to this message again, all right? I want to bomb you with four power truths from Scripture on the topic of meditation. Meditation really centers around the mind. So the Scriptures that I'm going to share with you, these four power Scriptures, really help us to understand the power of the mind, the the mind that God has given to us. Okay, so the first one I want to share with you is this, is Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7, and we're going to read it together. Let's go. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man, say it again, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What is this truth saying to us? It's saying to us that your thought life matters. The way you think is critical. Why? Because it's going to affect every part of your life. As you're thinking, so shall you be. Ralph Waldo Emerson many years ago gave that famous, like, quote, saying thing that says, if you sow a thought, what, you reap a action. And if you sow an action, you reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you reap a character. If you sow a character, you reap a destiny. What did it all start with? Sowing thoughts, all right? Your mind leads to decisions. What you're thinking leads to decisions, leads to the the formation of your character and your habits, to your, your lifestyle, eventually to your destiny. That's how powerful it is what's going on between your two ears, all right? Your mind, your thinking is affecting your life. It's directing the course of your life. Scientists today, neuroscientists know this, that Whenever you're thinking in a particular way, it's actually a whole lot of sur- like electrical surges that are taking place in the brain that are releasing neurochemicals in your brain that then start to travel through your nervous system and affect every organ and part of your body. So you, literally, you can think yourself sick, or you could think yourself healthy. Like all of that, that is like literally, physiologically, your thoughts are actually having an impact on your physical organs in your body. That's how powerful our thinking is. Hasn't God given us an amazing tool called the mind? Romans chapter 12, verse 2, second bomb scripture I'm dropping on you this morning, all right? Can we read it together? It says, but be transformed by, turn to the person next to you and say, be transformed How? By the renewing of your mind. 
Transformation in your life, life transformation happens how? By you renewing your mind. That's another way of saying meditation. Meditation and mind renewal are exactly the same thing. I have literally experienced this in my own life. Many years ago, diagnosed with depression and was about to go on a whole thing of anti-depression tablets and everything that was like, they, they said, I went back and I just cried before God and I was just like, God, is this really right? It didn't feel right within me. And God spoke to me amazingly through a number of situations. And I realized that I needed to take the word of God, I needed to own it and start speaking it and declaring it over my life. So I created a meditation. I began to speak it over my life. I began to renew my mind, and transformation started to happen in my life. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go on medication, okay? I'm not saying that this was my journey, all right? You got your journey. God's going to direct you on your journey, okay? Just be at peace, all right? (laughs) I can just see what's going to happen on Twitter after this, you know? But this was my journey, okay? And as I began to meditate every single morning and renew my mind about the truth, about the future, about who I was in God, literally symptoms started to just disappear in my life. There was a stronghold that had got me. And I've taught this to many people over the years, and I've literally seen people change who've taken the word and started to meditate on it. They've literal transformation. I've seen timid people become bold people. I've seen depressed people become happy people. Why? Because they've chosen to take the word and meditate on it. They've renewed their minds in the process. It's amazing knowing this truth, why it is that we are so anxious to change our circumstances, yet we don't put as much energy into changing ourselves. (laughs) <laughs> Isn't that true? We want everything to change. We know and many people come to church like, Pastor, my life's a mess, but they, they, they just want to fix to the circumstances, never really willing to admit that maybe I'm the problem here. Maybe this thing is all falling apart because I'm actually making a whole lot of wrong choices, thinking the wrong thing about my marriage, thinking the wrong thing about my future, about my job, about my circumstance. You know what I mean? So we have to, the Bible's telling us we need to take some sort of responsibility in our lives. Be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And there needs to be something in us that realizes, yes, circumstances must change and it's important, but we must be willing to change as well in the process. Amen? Next power bomb, number three, are you ready? Psalm 119, David said, let's read it together. I have... More understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. Hey, isn't that powerful? This is David speaking. David practiced the art of meditation. And look at the, he wasn't just meditating in jay, like, you know, meditate. No, it says there, thy testimonies, thy word is my meditation. Biblical meditation is always based on the Word of God, not just nice thinking or nice thoughts about the universe. Biblical meditation is always on thy testimonies. He took the the object of what we're meditating on is important. Okay, you can go meditate on stuff that's not true, and it's not going to help you, all right? So when we take the Word of God and we meditate on the Word of God, what is, what is David saying here? He says, as he began to apply his mind to the Word of God, he noticed that he had more understanding than his teachers. There was a wisdom that was unlocked to him. There was a dimension of life that 
open to him because he gave himself to the word of God. And this is, what, this, is, this is amazing what happens when we begin to meditate on God's word. It's incredible. So, third, fourth scripture bomb, fourth and last one. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 to 6 says, For to be carnally minded, let's read it together. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Isn't that incredible? That, 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 I mean, David, I mean, sorry, Paul is saying here that the mind is really determining the reality of what you're going to live with. Jesus promised life and peace. That's the word zoe in the Greek and irene, all right? Life and peace. Zoe means abundant life. In John 10, Jesus said, I came so that you could have life, zoe, in abundance. Paul is saying here in the scripture that to be carnally minded but to be spiritually minded is zoe, is abundant life. Abundant life and peace. That also could be translated as, as prosperity, irene, prosperity and peace. Why? Because my mind is governed by the Spirit of God. The mind is literally like the, the deciding factor as to what I'm actually going to experience in my life. It's almost, it's like it's in the way between what God has promised and what I can experience. Are you getting that? And either it can be a blockage to what God has promised and what you start to experience in your life, or it can be an obedient asset that helps you get and experience what God has promised in your life. So all of these bombs, scripture bombs I'm giving you this morning, and there's so many others. Okay, I could go all over the Bible. But this is just to show that thoughts matter. What's going on in your ears, right, between your ears right now, really matters. And this is why the Bible says in Colossians 3 verse 2, it says, set your mind on things above and not on things of this earth. Set your mind. In other words, grab a hold of your brain, set it where? Not on what that person said to you yesterday. Not on how bad the economy is looking right now. Not on how bad the circumstances are going right now. No, no. Set your mind on what God has promised, what God has said. Amen? Philippians 4 verse 8 says, meditate on whatever things are true. So that what that person said to you the other day, is it true? No. Okay, so don't meditate on it. Meditate on whatever is true, whatever is honorable. You feeling you're like you're insecure, you're feeling like you're not enough, you're feeling, is it true? No. All right, so set your mind, meditate on whatever is true, whatever is honorable. Is it honorable what you're thinking about that person? Whatever is just, is it fair what you're thinking about that other person or about your circumstances? Whatever is pure, whatever, are you thinking pure thoughts about them? <laughs> Whatever is, is, is honorable, pure, just, of noble or good report, think on those things. Amen. Set our minds on things about meditate on whatever is true. And then it also says this, take every thought captive into the obedience of Jesus Christ. Take every thought captive. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, take every thought and put it into the obedience of Christ. Is this honoring Christ? Is this obeying Christ? Is this in line with the word? No. If not, then I take it captive and I make it obedient to Christ. In Luke 10, verse 27, Jesus said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, 
soul, mind, and strength. I love the way it's heart, soul, mind, and strength. Just in case you, like, we get a bit confused. What is the soul? What is the heart? What is the mind? What is... He said mind. <laughs> so Luke 10 verse 27 says, love God with what? Your thoughts. The way you can worship God is by making sure that this is aligned with the way God thinks. It's a way to worship Him. In fact, when you look at Genesis and the time at the flood, like Noah, what you notice is that the reason why God destroyed the earth was this, was because all their thoughts were continually evil. Their thoughts were continually evil, and God regretted that He had made man. So what does that tell us? That God is interested in thoughts. And are our thoughts worshiping Him? That ideology that you hold so close to your mind about the economy or about politics, does it honor God? Is it, is it really in line with His Word? That ideology that you hold about hum, humankind or other people or whatever, does it worship God? Does it honor Him? Are you loving Him with your mind? Don't think that you can walk into church and go through a bunch of rituals and have this evil philosophy going on inside of your mind and go out there and still think that you are serving and worshiping God. What happens in here, he sees. Jesus knew their thoughts before they even spoke him. This internal world needs to worship God. We have to love him with our thoughts. Amen. So... What is this telling us? All of this is telling us that, that our thoughts are important to God. Our internal world is important. And God has given us this incredible tool of meditation to help us bring it in line with his word. But have you noticed that all of these commands are assuming something? Set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. Meditate on whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, kind of good report. Love God with all of your mind. Take every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. James even says, do not be double-minded because that can prevent you from receiving from God. So having a messed up mind can actually impact you receiving the promises of God. What God has, it messes up your receiver, <laughs> your ability to receive. So what are, but what are all these commands assuming? They're assuming that you can. They're assuming that your mind is subject to you. And this is just a truth that I feel is going to set some of you free today. The Bible is assuming that your mind is actually not the one who's in control. It's telling you that, no, you're in control. And this is important. <laughs> This is so important, people, because so often we feel like our minds have a mind of their own. Yeah. And we just don't have any ability or strength or whatever to control our minds. They just go whichever way they want. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Just go down all these rabbit holes and things. It's like they just... Like this, it's like this uncontrollable thing. But the, the Bible is actually teaching us, no, that there is this other part of you called your will. And your will... God has given you to govern this thing called the mind. Can I show you a picture this morning? Maybe this will help you. This is a picture of your will, the God, and there's your mind. Your will is the one who is meant to be in charge of your mind. 
telling your mind where to go, what to do, examining what's going on in your mind, bringing it into the obedience of Christ, directing your thoughts to go in a particular way. Your will is actually in charge. I'm here to empower you this morning. You're in charge of your mind. God has given you dominion over your mind. It's not the other way around. You know, this is important because, you know, it's kind of like raising children. All the parents, you know what I'm talking about. Children come with a whole bunch of joy, and yes, we love them, and blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. <laughs> but children come with a whole lot of need and want and desire and demands. And guess what? You know, like the, a child can nag and, and weigh you down as a parent. If you as a parent just give that child whatever it wants, you might keep it quiet for a little bit, but you're creating a monster. Because that child's going to grow up thinking that it can have whatever it wants. It's the same with your mind. You just keep giving it whatever it wants just to keep it quiet. You're creating a monster because it starts to get authority. It starts to get power, and then eventually it starts to tell you what to do. And that's not the place you want to be in. And for many people, this is the reality of their lives, is that my mind just keeps taking me on these dark journeys that I don't want to go on. Whether they fear or whatever, I'm here to empower you this morning and say, by the Spirit of God, God has given you the ability to govern that mind and govern those thoughts. You are in charge, not the mind, okay? You're the parents. <laughs> it's time to rise up and be the parent. Another illustration, let me give you this morning. How many of you like horses? All right. Where are all the basutu this morning? <laughs> Horses. I do not, I like them. I like, I can admire them. They're beautiful. But I trust them for nothing. I really trust them for nothing. Why? Well, because when I was like about 10 years old, we went to this farm and we decided we were going to go horse riding. And uh, I was with my family, and my sister is actually like a really good horse rider. I mean, she can like, you know, she can jump over stuff with horses. Like, like she can do that, you know, with a horse, all right? That's actually a picture of Trish, just so you know. <laughs> That's why I chose it. <laughs> Not really, I'm just, looks like her. <laughs> and you could do that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, my sister, okay, so what they did at this particular farm was they, they rated, there was a whole bunch of us, like, I don't know, 10, 20 people, something like that, and they had all these horses, and they rated them from number one to 20 in terms of expertise level. So you choose number one if you're a really good rider. So my sister chose number one, and it was like a white horse like that, and it was powerful, and it was scary, all right? She chose number one. I was like, I don't ride a horse, I don't ride such one that. I chose, I still remember, number 17 out of 20. It was this like donkey looking thing. His name was Flum, which in Afrikaans means flame, which like should have given me warning bells. Anyway, I jump onto Flum. Flum and I, we became friends. We started walking around. I didn't know this. And you know, I don't know why the people didn't tell me this. But Flum was in love with number one. Like, in love with her. So in the beginning, we're just walking through meadows, walking along paths, and all of a sudden, my horse is like, just, 
trying to get where my sister's horse is. And like all of us, just happy to be behind. I'm like, okay, this is fine. Then we come to this like big open field. And the next thing, my sister's like, yes, time to gallop. She goes, man. She just takes off on her horse. Number one, she's going for it across the meadow. Flum goes, he's chewing grass or something, looks up, and he sees number one. And he's just like, <laughs> pulled back so my ears pinned to the sides of my head. I'm like flying on Flum like this. I'm screaming. I don't know what to do. I'm like, stop. I'm pulling on the reins like this. See, he doesn't want to, he's hearing nothing. He's just after her, you know? That's all he can see, like a guy totally in love. Amen. <laughs> one track, one track, one objective in mind, <laughs> going. I'm pulling so hard that I slide out of the saddle onto the neck of Flum. Now I start slipping because I'm not on the saddle underneath Flum. Eventually I'm holding on his neck like this and I'm looking at his legs going like this underneath me, and I'm screaming with everything I have in me for him to stop. Eventually, my sister sees the drama and like stops her horse and stop, and I'm saved. All right. Since that day, I never trust a horse. <laughs> and all of that to say that that I think is like some people's minds. Your mind just takes you, and you just can't stop it. And it's like everything inside of you doesn't want to go down that road of thoughts, that, that place. But it's like you just, you're screaming, you're pulling on the right. You don't know how to do that. How can I get control of this thing? Enter the art of meditation and mind renewal. Meditation and mind renewal is the skill that God, the practice that God has given to us so that we can gain ascendancy over our minds. It's a practice of exercising strength to your will and, teach, and basically parenting your mind so that your mind becomes an asset, something that you harness for your benefit, not a liability that sabotages your life. So knowing all of this means that as Christians, a big chunk of our life should be spent on meditation and mind renewal. And I was just thinking, like, when I was preparing this message, it's like, it's quite a mystery that as churches, we don't offer meditation classes. Like, I just thought about that. Like, you know, why don't we do that? Like, it's such a massive chunk of scripture, and, every, and like, it's a skill. Like, there should be some sort of, like, training in this area. So, you know, watch out. Just doing a headline to come. <laughs> But like we, we should own what God has given to us, people. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 to 9. You know it very well. Let's read it together. What does it say? For this book of the law shall not do. Come on, read it. You shall. All that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. So God actually commands meditation. It's something that he's given to us. Let's own it. Let's take it back. Just a little hint there. Notice that meditation involves your mouth. Do not let it depart out of your 
your mouth, all right? Meditation is, is also, it's speaking, it's reading, it's pondering scripture, it's looking at it from different angles, it's, it's upholding scripture, it's praying scripture, it's singing scripture, it's writing scripture, it's memorizing scripture, it's all around scripture, biblical meditation is all around the scriptures. It's kind of like, you know, we, have you ever, well, you have, I'm sure, you've put a tea bag into, a, into hot water, but if you just drop it in and drop it out, not much impact on the water, Hey. That's sometimes what we do with, like, the, the Bible. Hey, just jump it in, and, and we hope that it's, like, we got something. A little, little, bit, little bit, just a little bit of Jesus somewhere, you know, because I read, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. When we take it and we, and we soak it, that, this is what meditation is, is when we, we start to draw on that scripture. We start to chew on it. And meditation is to the soul what healthy food is to the body. It is the way that we digest Scripture, chew it, and Scripture becomes like it becomes us, in us. All right? and, and we do that by time, space, solitude, holding the Scripture, reading it over, rep- repeating it over, memorizing, speaking it, praying it, listening to it come out of our, minds, our mouth. And then what happens? You make your way prosperous, and, and you have good success. Why is that? Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As you're thinking this, you start to prosper in your life. As, as you do this, you start to get rid of double-mindedness. As you ponder Scripture, and therefore you set yourself up to receive from God. As you do this, What's happening is you are conforming to the image of Christ, becoming like him, and therefore it's affecting the decisions that you make in life and how you treat people and how you treat circumstances. It starts to color and pervade the way you do life. It's an art that we need to cultivate and go back to. Can you say amen? Amen. So I want to read a quote for you, all right? This is James from James Allen. All right, now, do I have your attention? I, want, I, I, need, I need your attention here, okay? We, we're going a little bit deeper here, and this is very, very important that you get this. It says the following, man is made or unmade by himself. In the armory of thought, he forges the weapons by which he destroys himself. He also fashions the tools by which he builds for himself heavenly mansions of joy and strength and peace. By the right choice and true application of thought, man ascends to divine perfection. By the abuse and wrong application of thought, he descends below the level of the beast. Between these two extremes are all the grades of character, and man is their maker and master. Now, a lot of that sounds true, amen? I mean, we've just read the Bible. Can you see that there's a lot of Bible in there? I want you to know that this is not a Christian, though, who wrote this. In fact, this guy was one of the founders of the self-help movement. Can you notice something in there that, that God's not in that picture? Okay, now this is what I wanted to raise this morning, is that the New Age movement has took a hold of the arts, the biblical art of meditation, the truth of meditation, and it's taken God and Jesus and the Scriptures out of it, And look at what it's done. It set you up as the master of your own destiny and future. But so much of that is true and right. 
And so this is what I'm, I want to train you this morning to be wise followers of Jesus Christ. There is out there a whole world of self-help, new age ideas and philosophies built on meditations like this, all right, and on philosophy like this, but they're not Christ-centered and they're not part of the Bible. And we've got to be wise to know what the difference is. Amen? Amen? So let me play for you just, um, if you've got that little clipped and just get it ready for a moment. But the New Age movement says the following. It says, you can have anything and be anything that you want. Do you want to be a millionaire? Do you want to be rich? Do you want to be a billionaire? Do you want to be married? Do you want to be famous? You are the Michelangelo of your life. And people go, wow, really? Yes, all you need to do is visualize your life. Start controlling your thoughts to be centered around your success and your fame. The universe is operating on a law called the law of attraction. So whatever you think about, you start to attract in your life. The universe responds to your energy and gives you what you want. This is called manifesting. And they therefore encourage you to create vision boards and specific lists of what you want in life and meditations that then align with those lists so that you can get control of your thoughts, master your thoughts, and you'll start to see the universe will reward you. Okay? So this is the New Age movement. And gosh, there's so much truth in there. It sounds like a lot of like I'm walking by faith, so I have a vision board for my life. And I, but, but there's a difference. Okay, there's a difference here. The one is making me the master of all of this and is extremely self-focused and self-centered. The other is bringing me to face-to-face connection with God and me becoming more like God, becoming like Jesus. Listen to this meditation, for example. Just for example. Thank you, Spore. I am successful. I look for and find opportunities where others see nothing. I am a lifetime learner. I am solution focused. I see only solutions. I am a solution. I unconsciously, consciously, and methodically create my own success. I permit myself to be successful. I am bold and courageous. I ask the right questions. I get the right answers. I am constantly in a positive, spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical state. I am always grateful and thankful. I am in charge of my life. I take full responsibility for my actions and outcomes. I daily maximize my potential. My gifts daily work and produce for me. I effortlessly succeed. I use what I have effectively to create what I want. I am successful, productive, and proactive. I align myself with successful, like-minded people. I have a vision. following me around. (laughs) Did you hear that as well? (laughs) Compare that to, I have a destiny in God. I know the plans that the Lord has for me, and they're plans to prosper me and not for harm. He plans to give me a hope and a future. I'm part of an overcoming church built on the rock of Jesus Christ, against which the gates of hell cannot be victorious. I am a child of Abraham by faith, 
and therefore heir to the promises of God made to Abraham. There is no condemnation in my life because I am in Christ Jesus. And through him, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. I know that my God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I could ask or imagine because of the power that works in me. The sharing of my faith will become effective because I acknowledge that every good thing that is in me is from Jesus Christ. I am being led by the Spirit of God because I am a son of God. I have not received the spirit of bondage, which gives way to fear, but I have received the spirit of adoption by which I cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am a child of God. I am a child, and therefore I am an heir, an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. Can you see that there's a difference? Did you notice how the other one was really about like, I, I, I will ascend, I will, you know. This is what New Age religion does. It puts you at the center of the universe and it's really centered around whatever selfish desire you could desire for your life. It's not about what God has promised, what God has said, and what God wants for my life. And there's such a big difference between the two. Same principles. Now, they can experience, because they practice that, they can experience peace. They can even experience better decision-making. Why? Because it's a principle. And, and like whether you're using the principle, it, whoever you are, it doesn't matter. If you use the principle of meditation, you will start to experience benefits in your life. But guess what? It's powerless to save you from death. So you will go to the grave thinking a whole lot better about life and everything, but you will still <laughs> go to the grave. The gospel <laughs> has the power to save. Only Jesus has the power to save our souls. Only Jesus has the power to forgive us for our sins. You can think as much as you like that you are God or that you are will ascend to be like God. You, you will not. You will go to the grave. All right? That's what the, every one of us will go. All right? It's only the gospel that can save us. And so biblical meditation then is this. It's taking, and by the way, this is, the, I reckon, one of the, the books that has impacted my life the most. All right, this is the Biblical Confessions and Bible Diet book, which we sell, a little advert for media and resource, we sell outside, all right? But really what this book does is it takes all the scriptures, basically scripture is God's thought, and for example, it'll take a topic like right thinking, and it's got all the scriptures on right thinking. It'll take a topic like generosity, and it's got all the scriptures on generosity. Lord, I will honor you with my wealth with the first fruits of all my produce, Proverbs 3, 9. I am blessed so that I can be a blessing. This blessing is both a privilege and a responsibility. Therefore, all the families of the earth shall be blessed through me, Genesis 12, 2. I will seek first your kingdom, and all that I need will be added to me, Matthew 6, 33. So it takes all the scriptures on servanthood, prosperity with purpose, being a, dis a disciple in the workplace, how to treat your co-workers, <laughs> all the scriptures right there integrity and 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 so so this is this is what what med biblical meditation another illustration for this is, is how many of you know about tree grafting anyway you know about tree grafting so what you can actually do i'm not like a botanist that's the right word hey botanist tree pe tree person all right i love the trees but i don't know much about them i do know this though is there's this thing called grafting where you can take a part of a tree, of like, let's say, like an orange tree, and you can graft it into 
another tree that's not an orange tree. And then that tree can then produce oranges. In fact, there's a guy who's done this amazingly in America where he's created a tree of 22 fruits, like from all different types of nuts and fruits are growing on one tree through this art of grafting. And in the art of grafting, what you do is you cut the tree, where the host tree, where you want to grow another tree on, you cut it, and you take a snippet, a branch from the fruitful tree, and you put it into that cut, and you bind it together, and eventually it takes. And I mean, how many of you have looked at your life and go, I'm a little bit fruitless in a particular area? Like, I'm not seeing, like, something that God has promised. So what you do then is you take all the scriptures, all the fruitful branches, and through the process of meditation, what you're doing is you're binding them to your heart. And in the process of meditation, something happens. It's miraculous. It's marvelous. It's, the, it's what happened to David when he said, I've got more understanding than all my teachers because I'm meditating on God's word. It's, there's, you can say I've literally got more wisdom than any other people around me because I'm I'm anchored in. What happens is, is those, when those trees graft, it's like there's a revelation and there's a transformation that takes in your life and you begin to produce the fruit of that. So if you like see there's a lack of love in your life, take all the scriptures on love. Spend an hour a day in silence and solitude and just begin to meditate on the love of God and what the love of God looks like in the life of a believer. And you'll find there's going to be like a dropping moment. I mean, I remember having this time in my life where I was struggling in a particular area of temptation. And what I did was I just took the scriptures and I began to meditate on them, meditate on them. And something happened. I think it was in Corinthians where it says that no temptation has seized you but what is common to man. And God is faithful. He'll never allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. And I was just speaking that over and over and I'd heard it before so many times. I was just speaking, and all of a sudden, it dropped. It's like my spirit just caught it. Something happened, and I realized in that moment, I'll never be tempted beyond what I can handle, so I can handle this. So, you know, like I'd heard it before so many times, but something happened, a revelation happened, and I realized in that moment, I can handle this. I'm stronger than this thing. You know, and, and, and that it changed everything. It literally changed everything. So that is biblical meditation. That is this beautiful thing that God has given to us so that we can come into a face-to-face -face encounter with him and be transformed to be more like Christ. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermon. Be blessed.